Good morning, everyone. Time to begin a worship service this morning. Beautiful fall morning, sun shining, leaves falling. It'll be over with before we know it. It seems like it comes quick and goes quick. But, uh, if you're visiting with us, we certainly want to welcome you this morning. Invite you back this evening at uh, our 6 o'clock services. It's good to see uh, Elaine's daughter Kay with us this morning. Elaine will be going back to Florida tomorrow. So if you have a chance, just give her a hug or a goodbye and say have a good winter. And we're jealous. Remember our shut-ins. Uh, we want to say hello to those who are watching this morning and keep them in our prayers and uh, we're just blessed that we're able to be here because we know that there's, there's people out there that would love to be where we are this morning and, and not able to be able to do it. Also, uh, November the 18th, I want to mention a men's meeting that we're going to have on Saturday morning. I know Dave will go over this and it's in our bulletin, but uh, we just want to remember that. It's 8.30 and we'll be talking about... Uh, the directions uh, of the church in, in 24 and some topics and uh, go over things like that. And we love to have all men attend that can. We'll be having a uh, breakfast here. Uh, I think Tudors is doing the cooking. But, so come and please be in that meeting with us. Uh, also, uh, one more thing, the veterans uh, dinner. I want to mention that since it's life group one and two, Rick and Gary's life groups, uh, we want to make sure that our groups know that they're uh, intended to come and eat too with us. Pam said she didn't want any confusion there, so uh, life group one and two, and we invite all veterans, and that's this coming Sunday, and we look forward to that. In our class this morning, we talked about uh, uh, the children of Israel and, and uh, the things that they went through and and how that they would well we didn't talk so much about how they would turn away from God but 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 they did so many times and God God would have them back and 
he would always take them back. And, and that's the same God that we have today. God keeps off his promises. I would like to read in Joshua chapter 21, verses 43 through 45. And the Lord gave unto Israel all the land which he sware to give unto their fathers, and they possessed it, and they dwelt therein. And the Lord gave them rest round about according to all that he sware unto their fathers, and there stood not a man of all their enemies before them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. There failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel. And these words here says, all came to pass. We can be assured that God keeps his promises today just like he did then. Bow with me as we go to God in prayer, please. Father, we are so thankful for this beautiful morning that you have blessed us with. Father, we are mindful of those who aren't able to be with us this morning. Father, we, we pray that, that you will bless them. We pray, Father, for our shut-ins. And, and Father, we uh, just pray that you'll help us to remember them, to, uh, to maybe visit, to send a card, give them a phone call, whatever it may be. And Father, especially with, with winter coming up and, and, and the short shorter hours of daylight and we just pray God that you will help us to uh, to do our part as Christians in reaching out out to those in need father we're thankful for all the blessings that, that, that you give us that you bless this congregation with for all those who are here this morning father we do pray for those who are not here because they made a choice not to be we pray that you'll bless them and and help us to help them, Lord. We pray for our country. Father, we, we pray for peace. We pray for the wars that are going on. And we pray that, uh, that you will comfort those, Father, who's uh, lost loved ones and those who are injured. And, and we just pray, God, that, that people can look to you in this country and, and serve you, Father, the way that, uh, that you should be served. Father, we just pray that we put you first. Be with us this morning. Be with Chris as he brings us this lesson this morning. Help us, Father, to, uh, to listen to the words that he speaks, but help us, Father, to do those words. And we're thankful for him and his family and David and Mandy and their family. And, and we pray for those, Father, who are away at college and pray that you'll watch over them and bless them, that they'll always look to you for guidance and and Father, help us all to remember to put you first in our lives. Be with us this morning. Forgive us when we fall short. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand for the first song, please? First time this morning, number 708, Walking in Sunlight. 708. <laughs> Walking in sunlight, follow my journey. Jesus has said, I never said, hey,
Next hymn this morning, number 499, O to be like thee. 499. Now to this hymn, Brother Kevin Lyles will have our scripture reading and prayer. <clears throat> o to be like thee, precious Redeemer, this is my God, glory and Pray with me, please. 
Dear Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this beautiful November day that you have given us, and you've given us the peace to come to a, a nice building with, with people that we love and, and a day that we can call your day, and we pray that as we worship you this morning that we will empty our hearts and, and be what, what we need to be for you and, and to worship in pureness. We're aware this morning that there are those among our number who can't be with us, and we pray that you will watch over them and guide them and, and help the doctors that might be working on them if they're, if they're sick. We're also aware that there's incredible amount of turmoil and wars and, and things happening all over the world that, that we're not quite used to. And, and we pray that somehow you will affect those leaders and you will affect the people that are going through those hardships and that you will make things better for them and, and somehow that they might see the, the only way to, to real peace is through you, and, and that peace is not only here on earth, but through, through eternity, and that they somehow will find you, and then the world will be a better place. We pray that you will be the, with the leaders of our government so that they may also contribute to that goal and so that we will have a better country and, and we will be better followers of you. Be with us as we go through the rest of this service and, and be with Chris as he delivers the sermon to us and, and help us to open our hearts so that we hear what he has to say. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So this morning the, um, the verse that uh, Chris has selected for our reading comes from Matthew 5, verses 43 through 45. Matthew 5, 43 through 45. Ye have heard that it, is, that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. Next time this morning, number 916, come share the Lord, 916.
reached a point in the service that, um, in my opinion, is the most holy, the most sacred part of the service that we have. Um, this is our communion. This is our, our um, meal together and with Christ. Um, it is set apart from the other things that we take part in during this time. Um, and I wanted to try to put our minds in a, uh, in a frame that uh, we can do this the way that, that God intended us to do. But I want to do this in a little differently than what we approached this in the past. <coughs> Um, because I think that, that um, uh, it's important that we make sure that we are observing this as God wants us to observe this. And, and in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul tells us how that we need to go about this, but, but we need to make sure we understand what he's saying and what the, uh, the, the implications and repercussions of it are. Um, in 1 Corinthians 10, 15 through 17, it says, I speak to you, I speak as to you, wise men, judge ye what I say. The cup of blessing we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of the Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, being many, are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. In chapter 11, Paul addresses some issues that they are having in that church where they are not observing the communion service, but yet turned it into a feast. And in that, what they did was separate themselves instead of unifying themselves because the the key here is unification, is being in unity. And they separated themselves because some ate and some didn't. Some got drunk and some had nothing. And they separated themselves not to the glory of Christ, but the opposite. And if we will, um, well, I, I'll read that. Um, verse 17, starting at verse 17. Now in this I declare unto you, I praise you not that you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I partially believe it. For there must be also heresies among you that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When you come together together, therefore, into this place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, every one of you taketh it before his own supper, and one is hungry, and the other is drunken. What, have you not houses to eat and drink in? Or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. And then he goes to tell us on how we need to, to partake of the Lord's Supper and about the emblems. What I wanted us to look at was verses 28 and 229. After he has established how we should do this, he says, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread, that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthy, eateth and drinketh damnation unto himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So we've, there is a way that we can partake of this wrongly. And uh, the word in Greek for discerning, I won't try to pronounce. I can't do that. 
but it does mean to make a separation or distinction, to evaluate between two or more things and become partial to one, to differentiate, to decide. And yes, we are to discern the Lord's body when we do this. We are to observe this with those emblems that are set in place to remember and, and to, um, to dwell on uh, Christ's body, that sacrifice that was made on our behalf, a sacrifice that we couldn't make. But also we have to look at this that, as Paul said in chapter 10, we are the body. We are one body. And we have to be one body. That's the only way that we can do this because, again, he was speaking about the unity, the lack of unity. Um, there's another verse in here that says that we do this. When we do this, we do show the, uh, the Lord's death till he comes. We do show that the blood was given in our behalf, that the body was sacrificed on our behalf. But we also show it, through, show it through this unification because continuing in chapter 10 where we left off, behold, Israel after the flesh are not they that which eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar. What say I then? That the altar is anything or that which is offered in, in sacrifice to idols is anything. But I say that these things that the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and drink the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils. So whatever we partake in, that's what we are. And when we partake in the Lord's body, or partake in the communion, we, we are fellowshipping not only with Christ, but this unified body. We show that unity in this. Acts 10, 13 through 15 Sorry. Acts 10, 13 through 15. Um, that's 7 through, 15, 7 through 9. Peter has, God has shown him a vision where he has lowered this sheet that's full of all kinds of creeping and living things, and he said to him, slay and eat. And Peter answered, he said, but I say, not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean hath ever any time entered into my mouth. But the voice answered unto me again, what God hath cleansed, that call no man common. We are not common. God has cleansed us. He has allowed us grace through the sacrifice of Jesus. And we are not common. And we don't need to be treating anybody else less than the grace of, that God showed us. In Isaiah 53, verse 3 through, 10, uh, 3 through 5, He has despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our grief and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with our, his stripes we are healed. That's what set us apart. That's what set us apart as followers. God's, it, God made it available for us to come to him. Um, and he did that through the emblems that we're about to take, the body and the, and the blood of Christ. Jesus was not killed. Jesus gave up his life for you. He gave his body. He gave his blood. And we need to recognize that. We need to remember that. But we also remember that he did it for this body. He did it for each individual, but he also did it for this body. So if you will bow with me as we give thanks. Father, Lord, God in heaven, we come before you this day, dear Lord asking you to forgive us of our sins, dear Lord. We ask that we, we recognize and we, we discern the Lord's body as we partake of this, dear Heavenly Father. 
as we partake of the bread that represents that body that he gave on our behalf that, that was striped and beaten and, and punished for us, dear Heavenly Father. We ask that you uh, bless that bread that, that represents that body, dear Heavenly Father, and we ask that you be with us, that we may reflect on that, dear Heavenly Father, that uh, we may take it in a measurement that is pleasing to you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. First Corinthians 4, 6, Paul says, And these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes, that ye might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, that no one of you be puffed up against for a, one another against another. For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that didst not receive? Now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hast not received it? The sacrifice for Christ made was for every one of us. It doesn't, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your, your, your social standing. It doesn't matter any of those things. What he wants from us is unity in that blood. Um, the suffering that Christ went through so that we might have a chance of eternal life should humble us no matter what, where we are. The fact that, that, that God's love was so great for us that he gave his son, the fact that Christ's love for us was so great that 
that he submitted himself to the beatings, to the humiliation, and then ultimately the cross should humble us to the point where um, we are where he wants us to be. Through that death, through that sacrifice, and then through that open tomb, God gave us victory where we couldn't do it ourselves. Will you be, bow with me as we give thanks for the blood? Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you as humbly as we know how, dear Lord, realizing, maybe not to the extent that we should, but realizing the sacrifice, how great it was, dear Heavenly Father, and how great the love was that, that called for that sacrifice, dear Heavenly Father, that we might be united with you and, and having a, our hope for eternal life after our life airs in. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that you bless this fruit of the vine which represents that blood that flowed on our behalf. Dear Heavenly Father, we are thankful for that sacrifice. We are thankful for the way that you have made. Dear Lord, be with us and let us partake it in a manner that is pleasing to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. That's the conclusion of the, uh, the Lord's table or communion, but uh, separate in part we're given a <coughs> key of 
a commandment to give, to lay by in store. And I think I've told this story before. When I was a really young child, um, my cousin went to church with us at one time. And we weren't allowed to sit anywhere but with mom and dad. But it was so crowded that day that my mom let my cousin and I sit in front of us, uh, in front of them. And uh, she gave me a, and him a dime and a quarter and a nickel. And she said, put that in a plate. And that was what we did every week. Um, didn't understand it at that time, but we did it because that was what we were supposed to do. And as she handed up the quarter, dime, and the nickel, I leaned over to my cousin. I said, put the dime and the nickel in. We'll keep the quarter for ourselves. <laughs> and uh, so they went through, and they passed the plate, and I threw my change in, my dime, and my nickel. And I don't know if Mom saw me. I don't know if she didn't hear the quarter hit the plate. I don't know. But immediately, she grabbed me by the ear and pinched my ear so hard I thought I was going to die. And it so frightened my cousin that he threw, the plate hadn't even gotten to him yet. Um, that's childish understanding of why we do that. Uh, I didn't have any understanding. What we need to do is have an understanding of why we do this. Because, again, going back to chapter 4 in 1 Corinthians, for who maketh thee to differ from another, and what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now, if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? Everything we have has been provided by God. Everything that we own is, is given to us by God as a blessing. He gives us this opportunity not only to give back to part of that, but to show him that I realize where it came from, and I want God to know that this things that the blessings that I've received aren't as important as the one that blessed it, me with it. So he wants us to do this with a cheerful heart, not because that's tradition or that's what your mom told you to do. We are more than amply blessed in this country, so much so that we don't understand how much we are blessed, but we truly are, and there is one that gives, and we need to give back to that one that gave to us with a cheerful heart. Will you bow with me, please? Dear Heavenly Father, dear Lord God, we come before you once again, dear Heavenly Father, recognizing the fact that everything that we have, everything that we are, we owe to you, dear Heavenly Father, and we just ask that you be with us, dear Heavenly Father, as we continue through life as we go through our jobs as we make our living dear heavenly father that we do all things as if we're doing it for you dear heavenly father and and we realize dear lord we don't we don't lose track of where that comes from dear heavenly father that we don't become haughty or arrogant or or or, or feel a little too good about ourselves dear heavenly father dear lord we are truly thankful for everything you've done for us father be with us as we give back a portion of that which you've given to us dear lord let us do so with not begrudgingly dear heavenly father but with a a willing and, and happy heart. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
Let's all please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 598, Standing on the Promises. <clears throat> so at this time, the young children may go to the children's Bible hour. And before the promise was a Christ, my King, Invitation hymn for this morning, number 538. Prepare to meet thy God. 538 for the Christian. Good morning. We're continuing our series this morning um, on questions that lots of folks have asked. Uh, this one, particularly, has been asked, uh, I guess, Joe.
don't know sometimes why bad things happen to good people. Today we're going to give you some principles uh, that I know are true. Um, these are, these are um, foundational principles and that even though bad things happen, these things are still true. And I think they'll be helpful for you as, as we walk through um, these thoughts. But one of the first things we need to think about um, is bad things happen to everyone. Bad things happen to, well, there we go. Bad things happen to everyone. And there are a variety of reasons why. You may have seen a picture like the one on the guy on the ladder that's above the stairs. Sometimes bad things happen to us because we're dumb, <laughs> right? <laughs> if you get on this ladder uh, and you fall, well, something bad has happened to you, but whose fault is that? You couldn't legitimately lay that at God's doorstep, could you? Um, this, this, is, this is your fault. This is, sometimes we make terrible decisions and we pay the consequences for those terrible decisions. They're not sinful. Not all, these, not all these decisions are sinful. Some of them are, but not all of them are. Sometimes we just make terrible decisions uh, and we pay the consequences for that. And sometimes pain and suffering are involved in those consequences. But I think usually this picture is labeled as why do, men, uh, why, do, why do women live longer than men? Sometimes we make terrible decisions and we pay for those decisions, don't we? But if you're a lifelong smoker and you get emphysema, it's not really something that you could legitimately lay at God's doorstep, could you? Um, if, 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 uh, if you're a, a drunk driver and you end up wrapping your car around a, a telephone pole, that's not something you could legitimately lay at God's doorstep, could you? I had a friend in high school uh, that loved going on four-wheeler rides through the woods. And one night he decided that he was going to do that at high speed in the dark. And he ran into some barbed wire. And it just about decapitated him. And he still wears a trach in his throat. Bad things happen. He was young. We were 16 when that happened. Not a terrible person. But something terrible happened to him because he made a poor decision. Um, sometimes that happens, right? Sometimes... Things happen because of sin. Sometimes terrible things happen because of, of sin. The war that's going on in, in Israel right now um, might be a good example of that. Why do wars happen? Well, people are greedy for more power, for more money. People are angry. You've hurt me, so I'm going to hurt you back. Those, those things are sinful. We're, we're talking about sin at this point. And so at sometimes terrible things happen because of, because of sin, maybe reference the drunk driver earlier, you're not drunk, but the one who hit you was. Um, and so his sin has affected you. Sometimes that's true. Uh, divorce, STDs, lack of self-control, either my sin or your sin, most of the pain caused in our world is because of sin. Again, it's not always the case. Sometimes we make poor decisions. Sometimes it's because the pain, the suffering that we're dealing with is because we live in a broken world. Cancer is a reality here. Natural disasters are a reality here. Um, these things happen to, to everyone, don't they? In the verse that uh, 
that Kevin read for you this morning in Matthew 5, 45. Jesus is on the Sermon on the Mount and he, he's trying to teach this really important, pivotal principle about you doing good things to those who hurt you. But in the middle of that, he, he, he says something, he mentions something almost offhand that, that we need to pay attention to. I bet you missed it as you read through that passage because we usually miss it as we read through the passage. We focus on uh, turning the other cheek. We, we focus on uh, walking the extra mile. We focus on blessing those who are hurting us. But we miss that, look again, Matthew 5.45, that God makes his rain to fall on the just. The good people, they get rain. But what happens to the bad people? They, they get rain too, don't they? Makes his rain to fall on the just and the unjust. So I'm reminded of the flood that hit my hometown in 2021. My hometown is not near an ocean. <laughs> it's landlocked. Tennessee, middle Tennessee. Uh, this little creek rose up and literally a tsunami wiped out my, my small hometown. Um, that's what happens when you get 24 inches of rain in 12 hours. Some of those people are good people. There's a solid um, church there. Many of my friends were there. Um, <clears throat> my mom was there, right? She was actually headed to um, Nashville with my stepdad as he was dying uh, of, uh, of uh, uh, well, his kidneys were shutting down. Bad things happen to good people. And it's not always sin. And it's not always stupidity. Sometimes it's just a consequence of living in a broken world where things like this are possible. Not only possible, but where they, they happen. Bad things happen to everyone. And you, sometimes you may think that rain is a good thing. If you're a farmer, uh, rain's a good thing, right? But what if you get too much rain? Well, that ruins your crop, doesn't it? You may think that rain is a bad thing. Like if um, those guys for the first hour or two in my hometown in Waverly, Tennessee, thought rain was probably a pretty good thing. You know, oh, it's been so long. What do we say when it rains? Oh, it's been so We really needed this, right? That's what we say every time, whether we did or not. We really needed And so I'm sure they thought the same thing, but after about 12 or 13 hours, it became a bad thing. Things happen like that, don't they? Tornadoes happen. Hurricanes happen. Cancer, strokes, heart disease. These things happen, and there's not really a cause that we can, we, can, we can point to as to why these things happened. There's not a sin involved necessarily. There's not a, a poor decision made necessarily that would cause these things to happen. But sometimes bad things just, they just happen. And we don't know why. So here's some of the things that I know are true. And I think these things will help us as we interact with bad things happening because they're going to happen, aren't they? You don't get out of this life without something terrible happening, probably multiple terrible things happening. So what are we going to do? How do we deal with this topic? How do we deal with this pain? Well, I think some of these things maybe are helpful for us. We got to remember God isn't the author of evil. Flip over to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, verse 19. You know, when God created the world, do you remember he, he had a word he would use to describe the world that he created? Do you remember what it was? 
is good. This world is, is good. It's, it's intrinsically good. But then something happened and sin entered the world. And, and in some, force, some form, it, it broke the world, I suppose. Um, and, and it entered in all these natural disasters. It entered in sin. It entered in poor decisions. And so, but when he created it, he created it good. In Luke chapter 18 Verse 19, this, this young man comes to Jesus <clears throat> and he calls him good teacher. We would agree with that, wouldn't we? Jesus is obviously a good teacher. We would go beyond that, but listen to what, how Jesus answers this guy's... He, he latches on to that little, that little component, good. And he says, why do you call me good? No one's good except God alone. God's good, isn't he? intrinsically good. It, he's not good because of what he does. He's good because of who he is. It's built in. It's one of the things that makes him God. Without him being good, he wouldn't be God. And so he's not the author of evil. He made the world good. He himself is good, but he refuses to override our free will. And so sometimes sin, sometimes stupidity, sometimes living in a broken world reaches up and it bites us. Sometimes we're just collateral damage from living in a place like this. You wouldn't, it's, you wouldn't move to the Gaza Strip at this point, would you? Probably not, right? It's not safe. That would be a silly thing to do. You wouldn't let your kids go play out in the front yard, right? You'd put a fenced-in yard in the Gaza Strip and the, the, uh, the, the, the chain link there is supposed to protect your children from all the dangers that are around them. It's inherently dangerous there, right? Well, it's inherently dangerous here. It's not just the Gaza Strip. It's, it's Earth is a dangerous place. And there are floods and there are tornadoes and earthquakes and cancer and strokes and Alzheimer's. And these things are they're true here. <clears throat> they happen to the very young. They happen to the very old and everyone in between. But God's not at fault. He didn't cause these things. He only gives good gifts, right? You're familiar with James 1.19 where... James draws that out. He's the giver of good gifts, and there's no variation or shadow due to change with him. In fact, in Matthew, uh, Jesus is talking about prayer, uh, and he, he, it's in Matthew uh, chapter 7, verses 9 through 11. He says, you guys are good dads, right? And if your son asks for um, some bread, you're not going to give him a scorpion, because a scorpion might hurt him, right? Um, if you ask for a fish, you're not going to give them a snake because snakes are dangerous. You're a good dad, right? He says, how much more so is the father? He, he gives good gifts. He doesn't give bad things. And so when something bad happens to you, it's not because God has done that thing to you because he's incapable of that. He can't do that. It's not that he won't, it's that he can't. He can't do bad things. He can't do evil. In fact, you need to flip over to Romans chapter 8 to hear this promise. When bad things happen to you, he's given you a promise. And this leads into uh, our next point. When bad things happen to you, he's given you a promise for this. Romans 8 verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, did you see, did you see that he's given a, a disclaimer here? For those who love God... All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. 
For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So when bad things happen to you, he can use those things. He didn't cause that thing. He didn't cause your pain. He didn't cause the terrible thing to happen, right? He doesn't do tornadoes and hurricanes and cancer and all time. He doesn't do those things. But he can use those things to draw you close to him. It's almost like he's attached a rope to the pain. He didn't originate the pain. He didn't cause the pain. But he's tied something to it that's helpful for you. And that if you take advantage of that thing, then he can draw you close to him. And so which one would you rather? Would you rather not have pain and suffering here, or would you rather be close to him? Because this is impossible. This, getting out of life pain-free, it's not possible. It doesn't happen to anybody, does it? Even the person who lives the most charmed life still deals with pain, because one day they're going to die, right? If he doesn't come back, one day they're going to die. One day, even if they're little, maybe they'll roll an ankle and get a sprain. One day they don't get the toy they want. One day the Heaven forbid the DVD player goes out on a long trip, right? Bad things happen. And when we're little, those things are maybe smaller in nature, like the DVD. Sometimes they're big, though, aren't they? Like the little girl at Flatwoods that, that has cancer. Sometimes they're big. He didn't cause those things, but he can use those things to help you. Pain is spiritually formative. He can use that pain to drag you close to him. And if you've been through suffering, like so many of you have, you know that to be true. Your faith is bigger now than it was pre-pain, wasn't it? Your trust in him, your belief in him, you know the goodness of God more now than you did before the suffering. If you've taken advantage of it. Suffering is one of those things that we can either allow to break us or, or we can allow Him to make it spiritually formative for us. If we allow Him to help us through our pain, we can derive benefit from it. He didn't cause it, but we can derive benefit from it. But if we allow it to break us, if we turn away from Him, if we, we push back, Sometimes it's just the pain. Sometimes it's just the suffering. That's the only thing that, that we have. So I think that's a truth that we can rely on when we think about why do bad things happen to good people? Well, I don't really know. Scripture doesn't, doesn't tell me. And when I find people like Job, who God interacted with, Job's our best test case, I suppose, because something terrible that's not related to sin and it's not related to stupidity and it's not even related to living in, well, I suppose it is related to living in a fallen world but these two first things it's not related to those bad things happen to Job not for either one of those two reasons and then God talks to him and so if anybody's going to get the answer it's Job right what answer does God give him stay with me trust me 
I love you. I'm good. I'll be with you. In Psalm 23, David's going to give the same assurance, or he's going to understand the same assurance, right? Even though he walks through the valley of the shadow of death, what? Your rod and your staff, they're with me, and they bring comfort to me. He's found that pain, that suffering is spiritually formative, that they allow him to go deeper in his relationship with God. There's a reason people have been asking this question for so long. It's hard, right? And we struggle. But I think that's true. I think that's what the Bible teaches is that he can and will use pain. He didn't originate it. It didn't come from him. But he can and use, will use it to draw you close to him if you'll allow him. If you don't allow him, then all you have is the suffering. And that makes life even harder, doesn't it? This is also true. God joins you in his pain. Remember David in the valley of shadow of death. Who is with him there? We, we know that God is with him there because God's rod and his staff, his, his, his level of comfort and his protection with the rod and his, his love and comfort with the staff, those are right next to David. And David says, those things are so close to me, you're so close to me that I derive comfort and benefit from it. I don't know if you've ever sat in the hospital or in a funeral home with someone who's just gotten terrible news. I've had that opportunity to do both of those things on multiple occasions. And sometimes people will ask, why? And they're mad, and rightfully so, and understandably so. Why? You know what the answer to that question is? I don't know. I don't know why this thing happened. My friend that got uh, the trach, it was one of his questions. For years, why? I have no idea. You made a terrible decision and you paid for it. But lots of people make terrible decisions and never pay for it. Why did this happen to you? I, I, don't, I don't know. But I know that God's right there in the middle of your pain with you. I know about David. I, I know about the previous psalm, Psalm 22, verse 1. It's a psalm that Jesus takes on his own lips, isn't it? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? On the cross, he quotes that psalm. Maybe you need to see it. Psalm 22, in verse 1, he quotes David. But if you keep on reading through that psalm, you're going to find David coming to a reality that is not how he feels. Calls in Psalm 22, verse 1, he feels betrayed. He feels like God has let him down. Whatever has happened in David's life, he's going through some significant pain, some significant suffering. And like all of us, he feels betrayed as he's going through that suffering. If you're good and you're here, why haven't you helped me? I don't know the answer to that question. I do know that he uses pain to draw me close to him. He didn't cause it, but he, he can use it to draw me close to him. And I know that he's with me in the midst of my pain. Listen to what else happens in Psalm 22. Start in verse 9. Yet you are he who took me from the womb, you who made me trust at my mother's breast. On you I was cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. He's trusting God. 
despite what his emotions are telling him, he feels betrayed. But he says, I know that's not true. I, I know you've been with me since day one. I know you've been holding me, protecting me, with me since, since day one. Skip forward a couple of verses to verse 21. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. It's like it's already happened. He knows that God is there with him. Skip down to verse 24. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. He's there, right there in the midst of the pain, with us. In fact, in Psalm 34, verse 18, he says that God is close. Do you remember? He's close to the brokenhearted. Close to the contrite in heart. How some translations translate that. So, I don't, I don't know why bad things happen to good people. I wish I could give you a better answer, but honestly, the Bible doesn't give you a better answer. He, he doesn't tell us why bad things happen to good people. But he does give us some absolutes to trust in in the midst of those suffering, pain can and will be used to bring you close to Him. God joins you in your pain. Jesus dealt with evil on the cross. That's another one of those absolutes. I know that to be true. Listen to what He says in Colossians 2. In Colossians chapter 2. Listen to what He says in verse 15. He's speaking about Jesus here. Paul's talking about Jesus when he says, He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. God disarmed Satan and the stranglehold he held us in by paying the debt our sin had incurred himself. Satan was, was holding our feet to the fire. You will pay this debt. Well, the debt is is your sin, right? A, a just and holy God demands that sin be paid for. This debt that you've incurred because of your sin, He demands that, that the tally be paid. You've got a bill. And that bill will be paid. You will be punished because of that. Justice demands it. You don't get off the hook. You will pay this bill. In Colossians 2.15, God says that Jesus paid the bill for you. And he took away Satan's power when he did that. Because really all Satan's power, only thing he has over you is to remind you of your sin. He, he's our adversary, right? He's the opposing counsel. And so he, like a, like a prosecuting attorney, is always reminding us of the thing that we've done that is wrong. He's hurling bricks and Jesus... Paul says that Jesus took that power away from him. He can't do that anymore because the bill's already been paid. Yesterday we got to eat with, uh, with some of our Kelly's family in Nashville and during Titus' race. Afterward, we went to Red Robin. We had a good meal. We enjoyed the meal. But you know what came? Doggone it if that bill didn't come. <laughs> you ever done that? Sat in a restaurant and thought, oh, there's the bill. Yep. Every time it comes, right? The bill came and we had to pay it because that was ours, right? We, we did that. We ate the food. We agreed to it, and here's the bill, and now I have to pay it. That's what my sin 
cost me. It cost me this, this bill that was so big, I couldn't pay it on my own, and neither could you. And it demanded blood, demanded life. But he gave it for me. He, he paid the bill for me. And when he did that, he took away all of Satan's tactics. Now he didn't have anything. Now, can you walk back over to him and you can get involved with him? All that's true, right? You still have free will and all that stuff's obviously true. But when Jesus took away, when he paid that bill on the cross, he took away Satan's power. Paul would point to that fact in 1 Corinthians 15 uh, when he's talking about the resurrection. You know the verse, he, where is your sting, O death, right? He, he's taken away some of this, this power Satan's been given. That's true. That's bedrock, foundational truth. I know that to be true. Even in the midst of my suffering, I know that to be true. He's dealt with evil. It, it will not get to continue. He's curtailed it. In some fashion, he, he's, he's limited it. And for me, for you, he's, he's cut it off. You can't, you can't go this far anymore, Satan. This isn't, this isn't possible for you anymore. Now, we can go after him. He can't come after us. Jesus put up a wall. I paid the penalty for their sin. And so he can't throw that out at us anymore. He can't push the guilt on us. He can't remind us of the guilt because the guilt's gone. It's been tacked up to the cross, never to come down. One of the other things that we need to remember as we suffer is that at the end of time, God will deal with evil decisively. This is not something that's going to get to continue. He will obliterate evil. That's the good news. The best news is that one day when Jesus returns, he's going to deal with evil completely and there will be perfect justice. So why do bad things happen to good people? I, I don't know. Um, I do know a couple things, though. I know that pain draws me close to him if I allow it. And that's one of the things that he's actually promised, that if I allow this pain... If I stay with him, if I run back to him in the midst of my suffering, that he can use that to transform me more and more into the image of Christ. I know that God joins me here in my pain. I know he's with me. I see too many Old Testament references. I see too many New Testament references where he's there right in the middle of the pain with me. I know that's true. And I know that He's dealt with evil already, and there's coming a day when he will deal with it ultimately, finally, completely. Evil doesn't get the sway. Bad things will not always happen to good people. One day, the good people will be vindicated, and this earth will be burned up, and you'll get to spend eternity with Christ in the air. Are you part of that group? Are you part of the church? Have you had your guilt washed away? Have you had your sins washed away? That's only possible through the power of baptism. That's how you get inside of Christ. You, you submit 
to baptism and you give your life over to him and at that point he he washes all your sins away and it's just as if you've never sinned you've been justified maybe you've made that decision this morning and you need the prayers of this congregation to be who God wants you to be if you have any need this morning why don't you come as we stand and sing morning, church family. I hope everyone is doing all right this morning. If you're visiting with us, we're glad you decided to worship with us this morning. You can take a, take a moment to fill our visitor card in front of you and place it in a black box. We greatly appreciate that, so that way we can have a record of your attendance. Um, a couple announcements before we are dismissed. Uh, this Saturday, November the 11th, uh, there's a scavenger hunt for preschool up to sixth grade. Uh, it starts at 9 a.m., uh, for more information, there's a sheet out on the teen table uh, where the TV is at. Uh, grab that for more information on that, the scavenger hunt. Also, um, veterans, uh, this, not sorry, next Sunday, next Sunday, Life Groups 1 and 2, that's Gary and Rick's Life Group, will be hosting a veterans dinner. Um, there's a sign-up sheet on the foyer board. Um, if you're a veteran, please sign up so that way we know who's coming to that uh, dinner. But um, let us serve you. You've, you served our country. Let us serve you. Um, so please sign up and um, 
even if you don't, we'll still serve you. I mean, so, uh, but, um, but that's next Sunday, so uh, after worship service. Also, uh, Saturday, November 18th, uh, men, don't forget the men meet, men's meeting at 8.30. That's um, Saturday, November 18th. Also, uh, on Sunday, November 19th, will be the special needs contribution. Um, and also Thanksgiving food drive and deacons meeting. I know um, me and Brian were in the food pantry Wednesday. It looks like we're still a little bit low on mixed vegetables and peanut butter and uh, cake icing. Um, so if you can help out, help out with that, that would be greatly appreciated. Um, also, Wednesday, November the 22nd, uh, there will only be a Devo that Wednesday. No Bible class. Um, it's close to Thanksgiving holiday, so only a devotional, um, no Bible class. Also, new quarter starts December 3rd. I can't believe the new quarter starts for teachers uh, coming up right around the corner, but we're needing teachers for all ages. If you can help out with that, please see Jeremy or Connie. Um, so that way um, we can get you signed up for that, um, help out the, the, for teaching. Also, uh, if you're one of our older members who, are, who cannot drive at night and you're needing a ride to church, there's a sign-up sheet on the bulletin board in the foyer. Uh, please sign up for that. Uh, we'd be more than happy to find you a way to get to church. Um, we'd love to have you uh, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Um, so we'll find a way to get you here. So please sign up if you're needing a ride at night. Updates on our prayer list. Remember, continue to keep Jimmy Wilgus in your prayers. He uh, has an appointment Thursday in Columbus. So keep him in your prayers as he continues with his uh, treatments. And um, uh, Merrill continue to keep Jim Haney and Jim Martin and uh, Chuck Davidson as they continue with their cancer treatments. Um, keep Carolyn O'Lynn in your prayers as well. She's still uh, at Ironton going through physical therapy. Um, keep uh, her in your prayers and that family. Uh, Merrill continue to keep Friday Simpson in your prayers as well. Um, and she has some decisions to make and... Um, also, keep Peg and Roger Pryor and Charlie and Alice Boso in your prayers at this time as well as they're going through what their family's going through at this time. That's all the announcements I have. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody again this evening at 6 o'clock. Um, we'll sing one more song and be dismissed in prayer. Thank you. Let's all please stand. I had a song prepared for the whatever is behind me. But let's sing hymn number 400. It goes more along with this lesson. Hymn number 400, Living by Faith. We'll sing the first and the last verse. <clears throat> hymn number 400. <clears throat> and then Brother Brian Ward will have a prayer. First and last verse. I care not today what tomorrow may bring. If shadow or sunshine or rain. The Lord and the Thank you.
me, please. Father in heaven, we're thankful for this day. Father, we're thankful for this opportunity we've had to come here this morning to study from your word. Father, we pray that you would be with us this week. Father, help us to be the examples we need to be. Father, we pray that you'd be with those that were mentioned this morning, be with them, be with the doctors and nurses attending to them, and be with their families. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross for us, Father, and it's through his name we pray. Amen. 